The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got a big fat recap to do today after 14 games on MLK Monday. Whoa, boy. Sit back, relax. It's time to talk about some basketball. Without much else on the docket, really, today, I left this one free for 30 to 45 minutes of game recap. It's like a box score breakdown, almost as though we actually have a show like that, which you guys should definitely check out. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. Big thank you once again to the folks that continue to leave reviews. You guys are getting funnier with them. I saw that last one, and I'm going to read it here a little bit later on in today's show as my secondary push. But first thing I want to talk about today before we get into anything besides really just saying hello is, well, number one, I'm Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. If you want to hit me up and uh, give me a follow, if you want to bug me out there, that's totally fine as well. But also, I'm going straight to my bookie. First thing out of the shoot today, because this is a big, big deal for us at HoopBall. If I haven't been completely upfront before, I will be now. We need signups and we need them fast if you have any inclination to place a wager on a basketball game or really anything at all actually one follow hoop ball gaming at hoop ball gaming is the twitter handle it's our new betting twitter feed they do tweet storms over there on all the games on the nba docket we've got a daily betting podcast that's totally free called today in sports betting ira josh neil and Devin are doing a bang-up job, and they've only been rolling in the AV department for about eight days. Obviously, they've been betting a lot longer than that, but really excited about that. Number two, mybookie.ag is the website. Open up an account, use the promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, and get that 50% deposit bonus with your first uh, drop into the piggy bank. We're going to very slowly build bankroll. We're not going to go nuts. This is going to be a slog. We're going to try to win five bucks here and five bucks there, and we're going to slowly build up a bankroll. But I mean, if you legitimately have any feeling at all that you're going to do this, let's do it now. MyBookie.ag, again, the promo code is the word today. Make sure you use that promo code. That's how they know that you came there through us, and this is how we are really growing. This is like the first real chance we have here at HoopBall to prove what we're about to big corporate partners. They they went out on a limb. My bookie went out on a limb and said, look, we're going to sponsor you guys giving away all these picks for free on the HoopBall Gaming Podcast and on the Twitter feed, and we're going to pull it out of the layup line for everybody out there, but you got to go get us some signups. So that's what we're up to here. I've done it. Brew's done it. Devin's done it. Ira's done it. Josh has done it. Neil has done it. You guys do it next. This is what we're asking. If you got 20 bucks, put 20 bucks in. If you got 50 bucks, put 50 bucks in. If you got 100, do that. Whatever it turns out to be, let's just slowly play with it, have some fun, grow that bankroll. We'll do it together. Again, mybookie.ag. That's where we're getting all of our lines for these games. And when you listen to that podcast, they'll talk about it over there as well. So thank you in advance for getting on that. And uh, thank you again for the five star reviews on the podcast. I will read a very, very funny note. <laughs> I will read a very funny review of the podcast that'll come up partway through the show. As far as yesterday is concerned, it was a busy one. Uh, bu- 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 bu. It was a busy one. 
14 games, ladies and gentlemen. 14 games on the docket. We had all the things to deal with. It was quite a scene. It was quite a scene. We will start at the front end, and we will work our way through. Detroit at Washington completely fell apart in the fourth quarter. They made a little push at the end of the ball game, but the Wizards basically took over with some defense late in this game. Not surprising given the total was 233, and it ended up as 206. Andre Drummond had nine turnovers. Go figure that one out, but otherwise had a pretty good ball game, and he's... It's weird. He's on cruise control, and he's still putting up big lines, so he'll be fine regardless. Derrick Rose has been very good. Markeith Morris was ejected for yanking on Davis Breton's face during a pretty brutal foul. And then, of course, there's all these other weird little side plots with Detroit. Christian Wood as a potential stash if or when Andre Drummond gets moved. You guys have heard my take on this. I don't think it's a sure bet that Drummond gets traded. He should get traded absolutely positively there is no question about that he should be traded for whatever Detroit can get but they're very concerned about how they're going to look in the marketplace they don't want to be the team that gets fleeced so they'd rather just ride out their superstar so we'll see hopefully somebody comes forward with a good enough offer to get him out of there Christian Wood then immediately becomes a very interesting fantasy player very interesting fantasy player because he's only playing center and he seems to have moved in front of Thon Maker thank goodness but he's not getting minutes as long as Andre Drummond's around. So that's a potential stash. I'm surprised, honestly, at how how frightfully patient people have been on the Christian Wood front. He's pretty heavily owned, considering the only kind of two good games he had was the one where Drummond got ejected and the one where he was in foul trouble. Other than that, he's been damn quiet. He played 12 and a half minutes in this game. But yet... He's only available in one out of my main leagues. Only one. People are pretty damn confident he's getting traded. And, I mean, there's a decent chance of it, but nothing set in stone here. Meanwhile, Sekou Dumbuya, who I I maintain my take on, which is he should probably be on a roster, but it's going to be a super rocky ride. Six points, three boards, two assists, uh, bad shooting game, couple of turnovers, no defensive stats, no three-pointers. This is a 19-year-old. It's growing pains time. He's, he's a little bit of a deposit on the future at this point as well. So for Detroit, I will continue to plant my flag in. I'm starting Drummond and Derrick Rose and really nobody else. Everything else is contingent on something. Washington has a lot of contingent pieces as well. Thomas Bryant seems like his minutes limit was raised a tiny bit. Jan Mahimi was in foul trouble but actually had a really big ball game. And anytime they could, they went back to Mahimi. Bryant played 21 and a half minutes, 13-6 in a block, slowly coming around. I think they may, I'm a little bit concerned that they might cap him out at about 24, but we'll see. Davis Bertans has lost his aggression. This is a great buy-low opportunity for him. He's going to end up doing more. Jordan McRae closed this game. He got 25 minutes, which wasn't bad, and basically everybody on this team got 22 to 25 minutes. But the usage was way down. Only 17 in this game. It was Beal, Mahimi, and Thomas Bryant that actually sort of maxed out the usage-ometer. Ish Smith had some as a the point guard who saw more minutes off the bench. Troy Brown Jr., obviously his minutes took a hit with uh, Jordan McRae not missing any time. I think you can move on from all of these guys. Bradley Beal, yes. Davis Bertans, yes. Thomas Bryant, 
probably as he works himself back into game shape. And then Yamahimi, who pops off every once in a while, he's definitely on the outside looking in once everything settles. Guys, that was one out of 14. Heaven help us here. Okay, game number two. <laughs> Toronto, Atlanta. Norman Powell is white hot. Six three-pointers, twice 27 points. He is a steamroller, baby. Two steals as well. Didn't have rebounds or assists in this ballgame, but tough to argue with it. As I mentioned before, my great concern with Freddie Van Vliet was that his return, and this was a super weird game, by the way, when you look at the minute shakeout, that his return would hurt multiple Raptors that were seeing enough minutes and usage to be fantasy relevant. It looks like he's not going to take Norman Powell off his, his pedestal, his role right now. Powell's riding a horse and he's coming through. Pascal Siakam is fine. Kyle Lowry is fine. Marcus Gasol is going to be the starting center, so he will be fine. The guys that are in question, if we take Powell out of that mix, is Serge Ibaka, and the other guy is OG Ananobi. Serge Ibaka looked like he was probably only going to get about 19 to 20 minutes in this game. The Raptors turned it into a blowout and then almost biffed it, and they left the reserves in until the very last moment, at which point they brought in Gasol, Siakam, and Kyle Lowry for like the final 80 seconds, just to make sure this thing didn't completely slip away. I am genuinely concerned that Ibaka is only going to play about 22 minutes going forward like it was at the beginning of the year. He might end up as a drop in a week. I'm genuinely concerned OG Ananobi is just not going to get even close to enough usage to be relevant because right now, even when he gets some time with a second unit, which is not often because he started this game, when he's out there, Serge Ibaka is going to take higher usage for the most part. Terrence Davis is chucking up shots. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is chucking up shots. He's not, I mean, he's way down on the I'm going to go get mine scale, and that makes it really hard for him to survive in fantasy. So I think I'm probably going to put him on the wrong side of the cut line now with this team fully healthy and with the specific extra note that Norman Powell has slid into a very high usage role off the bench. So whatever might have been available for Ananobi before doesn't appear to be anymore. On the Atlanta side, we got confirmation on what I thought was going to be the case with Jeff Teague, which is that he's not that great anymore. I mean, he's fine if he has the starting point guard role, but the, the general idea here was that he was going to back up Trey Young, playing him, if ever there was a game, honestly, that you could have played them together, it would have been Toronto with, with Lowry and Van Fleet, two relatively small guards on the opposite side. You got to go on Teague and, and Young, but Teague picked up two quick fouls. He played four minutes in the first half, I think, maybe five and then six minutes in the second half, he just didn't play. And if this is how it's going to bounce around, no thank you. Kevin Herter was a little bit better. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he got 30 minutes and he took plenty of shots. His opportunity was good enough. Trey Young was huge. He was the only man standing at the end of this one. John Collins fouled out right near the end of regulation. So this is pretty much what his line was going to be anyway. DeAndre Hunter had a couple of defensive stats. That's a better thing. And then Cam Reddish is all over the map. I would look at Hunter before I would look at Reddish, and even that is a massive stretch. DeAndre Hunter, number 247 on the season in 9-cat. He hasn't been able to get defensive stats consistently at all on the year, and even over the last month, one combined in 31 minutes. That ain't going to get it done, and one game here doth not change my assessment of his value. Everything stays the same for me in Atlanta. 
and it's what it was before. Before yesterday's pod where I was like, well, maybe Jeff Teague he decided to stick it in my face. No, nope, nope, nope. This is what we thought was going to happen. The magic of small sample size. We saw one good game and thought, wow, I got that totally wrong. And now he comes back and does this one, and I can say, nope, I think we were probably right. Game three out of 14 on the recap. Philadelphia goes into Brooklyn, gets the six-point road win, a rare road cover for the Philadelphia 76ers because Ben Simmons took it upon himself and just went yakko. 34-12-12, five steals and two blocks. Yeesh. His teammates didn't help him all that much. Al Horford was pretty good, 19-6 and six with a couple of blocks. He'll obviously be very good while Embiid remains out. Matisse Thybul, terrible shooting game, had four steals and a block. That's his thing right now. But no, I mean, you're generally using the four old starters and probably dodging Thybul unless you're streaming for steals in some head-to-head format. Brooklyn, Jared Allen, obviously he's going to be doing a lot while DeAndre Jordan's out. His minutes are going to be up into the 30s. Torian Prince has actually been playing much better of late quietly he's been better because his shooting's been better it did seem like some kind of move back towards his 41 42 percent mark was coming thought maybe it was Kyrie Irving related but he didn't play this ball game Karis Lurin had 16 and 6 and I know you guys are all like Dan you said you hated him I do still I don't care about 16 6 and 6 no defensive stats 38 percent from the field missed a free throw and had two turnovers he had 16 6 and 6 but Nicholas Claxton had the better line. I don't like him. I don't like his fantasy game. You guys enjoyed my rant yesterday, so I'm not going to do it again on this one. But, yeah, no thank you. Please stop asking me about him. Evan Fournier, 26 for the Magic. Surprised it took this long for him to wake back up again. Nick Vucevic, 24-10. and 10. He played well. Terrence Ross hit five three-pointers. He's been rolling lately with half the team hurt. Markel Fultz, 10-5-5 with two steals, or as I like to call him, new Alfred Payton. Sorry, that's not nice. I think Markel will actually have a better career than Alfred Payton, but he's fantasy lines are frightfully similar right now. And then Aaron Gordon, who's just garbage fantasy lines. Really, really bad, guys. His fantasy lines are straight up not good. They are not good. And you can, you can try to sell me on him, and it's not going to happen. Like, he's not even close to fantasy value this year. 170? I can't trot him out there. He's shooting a high, like a medium volume, 42% from the field and 69 at the free throw line. It's really not good. To, to sport a guy like Aaron Gordon, your, your, your percentages and your defensive stats have to be so good to weather that storm. But what's the point? What's the point? For Charlotte, well, when you score 83 points, you're not going to have much fantasy-wise. Devontae Graham's field goal percent is so brutally low that he's sagging teams hard these days. P.J. Washington's the guy that we talked about as needing to be on teams because he plays enough. And then look at old Miles Bridges, 27 minutes and just a wet fart of a ball game. New Orleans, they were blowing out Memphis. Grizzlies went on a furious run very late in this ball game, but it was too little too late. Dylan Brooks had 31-9. and He's still on this furious heater that he's been on. John Morant, 16-9. and Jaron Jackson Jr. was decent, if unspectacular. Valanchunas, same story. Solid game, but nothing spectacular. The Anthony Melton, he got a lot of closing minutes these days. His, his minutes have ramped into the low 20s pretty consistently now, and I think he's that makes him a must-own guy. And then Brandon Clark had a quiet one, although he actually saw a decent chunk of minutes as well. 
But this team just got taken to school by Drew Holiday, who came back from his tricep elbow whatever thing with 36 points and a career-high seven three-pointers, which, not surprisingly, folks, happened to occur in the first game of a week where I'm playing against him. I haven't played against Drew Holiday. I'm in one money head-to-head league that I'm paying close attention to. I haven't played against Drew Holiday in the last 11 weeks, and then this one happens. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Good grief, I say. Yeah, so that's happening. Um, Thanks, Drew, you butthead. It's a hell of a game, though. Brandon Ingram, decent. He had a big fourth quarter. Nico Lomelli filled in admirably off the bench in this ballgame, but I don't think you can trust him on a night-to-night basis. You'll probably see more J.J. Redick in the next one. Hopefully, Derek Favors doesn't have to miss more than one game with his sore back. Got himself on that bad mattress again. What a son of a gun. I mean, he's out there just posting top 50 value, but he's playing every other game at this point of the year. That's what it's averaging out to now. This is crushing, man. I need you, Derek. That's the same team where, I'm, where I had Jonathan Isaac go down. With those two guys out of the picture, I, I'm, I'm losing like 15 blocks a week. I got no shot. Please come back. Uh, Josh Hart, he turns back to mostly irrelevant. I mean, honestly, Redick for, turns back to mostly irrelevant now that Holiday's back. Drew's return and his high usage, and it, just, it pushes the fringe guys off the map. So you got Holiday, you got Ingram. You barely have Lonzo Ball. I'm frankly not sure that he's going to stay above the cut line. And then when Favors comes back, you'll have that. There is a planet here where this team's starting five will be Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Zion, and Favors. And all five of those guys could end up with fantasy value, sort of a la Toronto Raptors style, where the starters can do it. But I think then you're in a spot where none of the bench guys will even come close. Zion's back tomorrow we think i've lost track of what game we're covering now but we're at new york cleveland so whatever the hell that is mitchell robinson four blocks but only 2.6 boards i love it man he took one shot in 28 minutes made two free throws and i loved everything about this line go buy low buy mitchell robinson do whatever the hell you have to do to go get him blocks are so hard to find you know Alfred Payton had three defensive stats nine six and eight i mean he was broaching triple double territory and still he ended up with a bad line because he went 4 for 11 from the field, had three turnovers, and missed a free throw. It's remarkable. That's the Alfred Payton way. Marcus Morris turned an ankle in this ballgame. He actually had a good performance anyway, but we'll see if he plays in the next one. If he doesn't, last time around it was sort of a mishmash of who actually picked up the pieces for him. For Cleveland, Darius Garland fell apart. Really bad performance for him. 4 for 20 from the field. Really, really, really bad. Colin Sexton was a bad shooting game as well. He was 6 for 20, but he was able to have... He's been better lately. I've, I've crushed him a lot in this podcast. He's, he's made a small improvement to his game. Maybe just finally being told, look, you're the two-guard now. Just go be a two-guard. The real story in this game is that Larry Nance Jr. played almost all of the backup big man minutes. And the Cavaliers went big. So Chetty Osman got the start at small forward in this game alongside Sexton and Garland. So they went real small in the backcourt and pretty big in the frontcourt. And what that does now, with all three of those guys playing to start the game, it really means that Larry Nance is the only power forward slash center coming off the bench for this team. He's responsible for all of the backup four and five minutes, whereas before, Chetty Osman was getting some of those. So, 
this changes things, in my opinion, pretty dramatically. And I don't know if this is a permanent thing or if they were going big to match up with the Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, uh, Taj Gibson, Knicks front. I mean, really, who the hell matches up with Taj Gibson? That's not... You do what you do, and then you make Taj match up with you. In any event, um, the point of all this is, let's say this sticks, and Larry Nance is going to get all he can handle in that, because Tristan Thompson's not going to play more than 35 minutes, and Kevin Love's not going to play more than 35 minutes. So right there, you have 26 bench minutes, and every minute that either one of those main guys rests beyond that, it's an opportunity for Nance to get up to 27, 28. That's where he was last night, 20, 29. If Nance doesn't go one for four at the free throw line, he's getting a lot of credit in this game as a guy that puts up a 14-10 line with a steal and a three-pointer. He's been a guy we've been advertising as a relatively pure stash candidate to this point. But I think that now has changed. He's no longer just a stash. He looks like he should just be getting used right now. So if he's floating around, I think this is your opportunity to pick him up. He looks healthy for the first time in a long time. Hopefully they don't burn him out. And now, even if nobody gets traded, it looks like he's going to have some value. So cool beans on the Larry Nance front. He's moved well in front of the other trade deadline stash guys as someone now who's an active stash. That's, a, that's the better kind. Noises, of course. You're hearing my family yakking it up in the background over here. Chicago, losers at Milwaukee, but... By all accounts, I would call this a win because they covered. Expectation was that they lose by 15. They only lost by 13. Thad Young got 28 minutes. Luke Cornett picked up fouls very early and quickly in this game. Probably should have seen that coming, honestly. Sometimes you got to look at the competition and see if you can just bench as many guys as possible when they go against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks because that club is just eating people alive. Thad Young, 14-6 with four defensive stats and four three-pointers. Hello. That'll be the best game of the year for my guy, old man. Thad, Zach Levine, tough shooting game. Did have 24 again. He's been rolling. Chris Dunn was actually pretty good in this one. If you clap if you saw that one coming. Sato was slow. He's in a little bit of a mini-funk right now. Markinen just got destroyed by Giannis in this game. Cornette got destroyed by his, <laughs> basically his game-sake. Not namesake, gamesake. Brooke Lopez is like Luke Cornett, but way, way better at all of those same things. Need a box-out artist? Gotcha. Need a guy that can protect the rim? Gotcha. Big man space the floor? Gotcha. Are you Luke Cornett? Nope, I'm better. So they just got crushed. Front court got annihilated. Going forward, I still trust Cornett. He's the starting center. He'll presumably not pick up fouls this fast in the next ball game, and hopefully he'll be able to get you some threes and some blocks in the next one. You can't throw it aside because Daniel Gafford ain't coming back for a couple of weeks, at which point then maybe you make the rotation back to Gafford for a week or two and then back to Wendell Carter Jr. There's a stepwise thing going on here uh, because Gafford's deal was a hand injury, so presumably minute restrictions won't be an issue when he comes back. But for now, I trust Cornette. Oklahoma City, big fourth quarter, overcame I think what was a 17-point hole, 16, going into the fourth Chris Paul had an enormous first half, slowed a bit in the second half, but still ended up with a really nice performance. Gallo, big game. Shea double-doubled with four defensive stats. Schroeder had 23. Steven Adams hurt himself, and Nerlens Noel was a late scratch. They did this with Mike Muscala eating most of the center minutes. OKC's not bad. 
Of note, Daniel House made a rare appearance in the box score. This is like beginning of the season, Daniel House. 13 points, 6 boards, 2 steals, 3 blocks, 3 three-pointers. Where the hell did that come from? Did anyone see this one coming? I certainly didn't. He's basically unowned in my competitive leagues at this point because he'd been so bad for so long. He's just done... He's been so completely disengaged with the offense, but to see him wake up like this, well, that was a sight for sore eyes. But I do need to see it again. I like that he played a ton of minutes. I like that he completely outplayed Ben McLemore, who still kind of sucks at basketball. Westbrook was the guy. Harden went 1 of 17 from three-point land in this game and kind of, well, sorry, cost his team the game. P.J. Tucker continues to do nothing when he's on the court. There's a weird thing happening. He played a team-high 41 minutes, but all he was out there doing was setting screens. Wasn't even getting rebounds in this one. And it kills me to say it, but he's a drop. He's a drop. There's just, you gotta, he needs to at least be getting the rebounds. And right now, Westbrook has gotten into one of his little grooves, which sadly has not been helping the team lately. They were better when P.J. Tucker was doing his thing, and now he's been pushed to the periphery, and it hurts him because this team is letting two guys do every single thing on offense. It's not a bad, it's not a good look. Houston's in a, a weird, a weird funk right now. They're talking about adversity. This is, so, let me preface what I'm about to say with, I love watching Russell Westbrook on a basketball court. He's very, in, he's super intense, and he's, he's a freak of nature. Rockets have lost four in a row. They're now in the sixth seed in the West at just 10 games over 500, which, you know, still a pretty good record. But, you know, they're only two games up on the team they lost to last night, the Thunder. They obviously have plenty of room between the Thunder and anybody else. So they're, they're not, it's not like they're going to miss the playoffs. But they're basically at the bottom, the bottom of the top pack right now. Lakers are out in front of everybody. Nuggets, Jazz, Clippers, four games back of, the, uh, of L.A. And uh, Mavs are a couple games back there. They're, they're bunched in with the Rockets in sort of that, that third chunk. They need to incorporate their guys. Mike D'Antoni's got to do a better job of getting everybody on the same page. And they're just, I mean, they're getting taken to school in a lot of ways. Ah, well, Sacramento lost to Miami in overtime. This is a pretty weird one. Jimmy Butler was a late scratch with a hip injury. I feel like if somebody went back and did a tracking procedure, they'd find that Jimmy Butler often misses daytime games. I feel like he may have put in his contract, like, I'm going to call out on daytime games. You guys figure out what you want to do there. You know, if you want to call it a hip, a knee, a back, whatever. But I don't really want to wake up early. I'm completely off base, but maybe somebody can check me on this. Marvin Bagley played 38 minutes at 15 and 15 for Sacramento. Nemanja Bjelica, 22, 6 and 3. He's just cruising. Buddy Heal had a nice ball game. Didn't shoot the ball well, but really good across the board. Five threes, five defensive stats. And De'Aaron Fox had five turnovers, shot the ball horribly. This is why, listen, like, I, I like De'Aaron Fox. I think he's super fast and he's a good basketball player. I, just think he, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near his ADP this year. His steals are going to be high. They should be. Points assists are going to be pretty good, but he's killing you in free throw percent. His turnovers are crazy high. It's tough to get into that top echelon when you've got those things as anchors on your, your fantasy game. We got word, by the way, that Rashawn Holmes might play in the Kings' next ball game. We'll wait and see on that one. I'm not going to bank on it, but I, I'd be willing to guess that he'll be back within the week. That's a big one for all of us here at Hoopball. Bogdan Bogdanovich played a lot of minutes, but he's not. he doesn't have a great fantasy game. You guys gave me hell 
when I said I didn't like Bogdan's fantasy game and he had a few good ones early in the year. Remember when that happened? Why don't you buttheads ever come back and say, sorry, Dan, he really isn't that great. Where are you at? Come on, man. His fantasy game just isn't that complete. Bad percentages, both of them, for Bogdan this year, which is pretty weird. Didn't expect them to be bad at the free throw line. It's just like, it's points and threes for the most part, and a steal. It's just not, it's not, in, I don't like it. For Miami, you could pretty much throw this game out, because without Jimmy Butler, a lot of other dudes are going to do a little extra. Duncan Robinson had his four three-pointers. Derek Jones Jr. got hit in the mouth. His game actually suffered a bit. Goran Dragic had 18 off the bench. Kendrick Nunn's been on a heater lately. James Johnson had a big ball game off the bench. Who cares? Who cares? When Butler comes back, that all goes back to the the normal way. Boy, I'll tell you, if I was sitting in front of my computer and I could get to my MyBookie account quickly, I would have put every cent that I own on the Boston Celtics in this game. When I was watching the TNT game preview, and the Lakers were straight up screwing off. They did not take this game seriously at all. Did You guys probably saw what I was talking about. Listen, you know I'm a Laker fan, so I, I'm going to... I'm going to root for them. But I saw the guys getting ready for the ball game, and they were goofing off. And the announcers were talking about how LeBron had like pulled a semi all-nighter. He saw his kid play and then had to drive a whole bunch of distance, so he wasn't really rested. Anthony Davis was making his return on a minutes cap. This game, even right from the get-go, you were kind of like, well, you know what, Boston's been in this weird slump. This has the makings of the game where they take it a little bit more seriously. And then when you saw the Lakers messing around, just not caring and screwing off leading up to the game, that was like, oh, yeah, they're not, yeah, they're not ready. A lot of careless turnovers for L.A. early in this ballgame. They actually got off to a quick start. They led the game 8 to nothing, And, well, from there, you can do the math. They got outscored by 45 the rest of the way. Whoops. JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard are about to lose their fantasy relevance. Anthony Davis played 22 minutes in this game and he'll be ramping back up into the high 20s to low 30s by the next one. So the Lakers go back to basically a two-man show at that point. It was fun while it lasted for these other guys. For Boston, it's the same old stuff. Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward are always very reliable, and then you're sort of coin-flipping the centers. Ennis Cantor got some bonus minutes in this one because he was chewing up the Lakers near the bucket at 18 I think he had 16-8 and eight in the first half or something big like that. So second half was quieter. Daniel Tice had foul issues in the ballgame. I still like Tice going forward. He looks healthier now. He looks springier with the defensive stats. And, of course, when the Celtics are fully healthy, Marcus Smart, who was just coming off that giant ballgame, was quiet. He was quiet. He's quiet when the whole team is healthy as the bench guy. I like the four starter, the four main starters. You guys know that. We don't even have to bring them into the conversation I like Tice over Cantor, although you can make the argument that both of them should be on fantasy teams. And I, you know, I like Marcus Smart enough to start him because there's enough games where one guy is missing that he's been able to sort of bankroll his way to good fantasy value. Number 61 in the season, right? So you're not going to drop him. But there's so many of those games in there where everybody's healthy and he goes for like eight and four. You just kind of have to close your eyes and not look at the each individual thing with Marcus Smart and look instead more at the overall. Denver beat Minnesota 107-100. Michael Porter Jr. had a big one off the bench again, and he'll just keep rolling as long as half this team is out. And more of these guys, by the way. Will Barton is sick and might miss their next game. Mason Plumlee turned an ankle. The Nuggets are really beat up right now. No Jamal Murray, no Gary Harris, no Paul Millsap, maybe no Will Barton, maybe no Mason Plumlee. 
That's five of their top six guys that could miss the next ball game. So it's going to be a lot on Jokic. Porter's going to have to do a lot. Jeremy Grant had a nice ball game in this one as well. I would trust him. People are getting a little bit nuts for Michael Porter Jr. right now. This is not going to last. The shooting percentage isn't going to last. The 14 rebounds aren't going to last. He's he's hoping to sort of maybe Wally Pip uh, Gary Harris while he's out. That's really the key piece here that's opened things up for him. But eventually his team's going to get healthy, and they're one of the deepest teams in the NBA. So ride it while you can. If you can sell them for something, have at it. But like if you can find somebody who doesn't know that three to five guys are out for Denver right now, go to town. Cat had 28 as he rounds back into shape. That was a nice performance. Rob Covington had a slow one in a rare twist. Andrew Wiggins, 15-6. and six. Jared Culver had a bad ball game. Minutes were down a little bit in this one. It's going to be, I mean, he's a rookie, so you got to know what you're getting into here. And then Shabazz Napier is the guy that you probably need to pause on again. He is exactly what we suggested he might be, which is a crazy low-usage point guard who is just going to initiate offense and if his team hits some shots, he's going to get six or seven assists a lot of games just from kind of being out there and handing the ball to people. He had two steals and two threes, which is more than I expected, so that actually made this a better ball game. He's not a must-own guy, in my estimation. I, I wouldn't put him in that category. He's, an, he's a maybe. You know, if you need assists badly, he's a specialist at that point. I don't know how many teams desperately need just assists and a steal on horrible field goal percent, but you might be out there. We're at that time of year where ROI makes more difference, the category ROI, as opposed to just overall value, guys. Derek White had a big one. He's been outplaying DeJounte Murray over the last couple of ball games. Uh, Murray was fine. He had four steals in this one, and they did coexist for about two minutes. I don't know what to make of any of this. LaMarcus Aldridge, low rebounding game, but otherwise a solid performance for him once again. DeMar DeRozan, near triple-double. He was good. And then, you know, it's anybody's guess who the other guys. This one, it was Bryn Forbes, who had eight three-pointers for the Spurs. Jakob Pertl, three blocks. He's been putting up some really nice block specialist-type lines lately. You know the second you throw him into your lineup, he's going to completely disappear. But for the time being, he's actually been okay. He has multiple blocks in six consecutive ball games. He's not playing many minutes. But if that's a category you're stat-hunting right now, He's doing just barely enough to stay on the radar. I mean, last two weeks, he's number 150. Basically, exclu- I mean, he's averaging, over the last week, he's averaging two and four, but over two blocks a game, and somehow that puts him inside the top 125. That's the, the scarcity of blocks in the NBA. I'm not, I'm probably not doing it because the minutes aren't there and the other stuff generally isn't, but, and I actually need blocks. I just, eh, boy. That's a tough one, man. He could he could basically just give you zeros across the board one game. Derek White's making a case to try to get picked up these days. He's been marginally better lately. He's going to be an efficient guy. So when you look at his numbers, you're like, well, you know, he's number 108 over the last two weeks, but he's shooting 47% from the field and 90 at the foul line. That's actually sustainable. You know, he's a good percentages guy. 22 minutes over the last week. Uh, this one was 26. That's two games in a row. He's played 26 minutes. They've won them both. When he plays a few more minutes, they generally win. He's close. He's close. 
Doesn't hit many three-pointers. Oh, boy. I'm going to put him on my watch list. I'm not going to move him all the way to must-own at this point. This is a nice ball game. This will probably get him picked up in a few formats. But I need to see I need to see more than two games in a row to really buy in. Devin Booker had another big one. DeAndre Ayton had a pretty good one. This was a solid one. The percentages were better, so uh, that's a nice credit. Ricky Rubio, 15 and 9. Kelly Oubre came back from his concussion protocol, and he was decent enough. Fouled out in 37 minutes. And you can't trust anybody else on this team. When those four guys are all healthy, those are the four guys that are going to do stuff. Indiana got completely blown out by Utah. Luckily, Miles Turner survived it somehow with six steals and no block. Somebody in Utah was being weird about the steal block thing, if I had to guess. I didn't watch this game start to finish. Someone, you guys can tell me if you think I'm, I'm off base here, but it feels like maybe there were some strip blocks that went as steals instead, but maybe I don't know, because Justin Holiday had three steals and five blocks in this ball game. Whoa. TJ McConnell was good. You got a lot of got bench guys that got some extra minutes in the blowout loss. Also of note, by the way, this is over on the Utah side, Mike Conley, 18 minutes, had 14 points. He looked pretty good in this game. Slowly rounding into shape. Who will suffer? In this one, it was Ingles, which is kind of what we thought might happen. Conley got eight shots up in his 18 minutes as well. He may very well turn out to be their second leading scorer before this season's done. Don't be completely surprised by that. And the nightcap. Golden State Warriors in Portland Trailblazers. Uh, No Trevor Ariza yet in this ballgame, so we didn't get the full look at the Blazers. And honestly, that's the only reason to pay attention to this team right now because Nasir Little got the start uh, at forward. That'll be the spot probably occupied by Ariza. Anthony Simons, I believe, technically started in place of C.J. McCollum. The assumption I'm making here is that when McCollum is healthy and Ariza is there, those two guys are going to start. The minutes that Ariza gets are still very much up for grabs. I really don't know. I think he's going to get a nice chunk to start, but I don't know if it's going to last because he's pretty old and not that good anymore. And then on that Warriors side, Willie Cauley-Stein started again, but also there was Hassan Whiteside on the opposite side of the ledger. So I, I just... It seems like it's a little bit matchup dependent, although it is also quite conceivable that they've just moved back to more of a defensive presence on the interior. Draymond Green, by the way, sitting this ball game out with illness as a late scratch. You son of a bee. I was, I can't pay attention to every start time, and that's going to cost me one of my leagues. Damian Lee uh, struggled a bit. I, I mean, this is okay. So there's a weird back and forth happening in Golden State, and... I'm starting to lean towards getting out from under all of it. I know that that was sort of where I was before, and then I was like, well, I like Lee, and for a brief period there, we liked Amari Spellman, but he fell off the map, and then we liked Willie Cauley-Stein for a bit, and then he fell off the map, and now he's back again. Alec Burks still is pretty safe, so I could probably, let's put him in the exception. D'Angelo Russell can't shoot to save his life this year, because, I don't know, I mean, there's just no one around to, to help out. He's the only guy that teams have to key in on. Draymond Green misses every other ballgame, seemingly. Steph Curry is targeting March 1st for a potential return, but, I mean, I'll believe that when I see it. And maybe it does happen, but for how long and how many minutes and how many games is he actually going to play? I'm not adamantly opposed to just bailing out 
on Damian Lee altogether. I'm not adamantly opposed to that particular direction. Not that not that he's not going to have good games here and there, but his field goal percent has never been good in his career, and part of why he was surging before was that he was making some shots. He was rebounding, which he was, you know, he's even doing that one in his bad ball games, which is nice, and he's going to get you a steal here and there. But I just, I feel like the upside is pretty significantly capped on a team that just isn't good. We'll give him a little bit longer. We'll give him a little bit longer. We're, we're patient enough, and, and he, put, he showed us a few things with, again, the, the decent rebounding from the guard position and the, the steals and the good free throw percent. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to abandon ship completely yet, but it's not that far away. And that's the case with a lot of Warriors right now. It's not that far away with a lot of these dudes. And that, woof, as I deep sigh, is your 14-game MLK Day recap. I promised, by the way, that as we, were, as we were going through this thing, I was going to, in between the MLK Day recap and the very brief Tuesday preview of our one game, which is going to take all of, what, like 20 seconds, I was going to read a review. And I gotta gotta read the one from Andrew J. O'Neill on Friday. <laughs> I love this one so much. Uh, Andrew, I think I've gotta think that it's because on the Friday show I said, write something silly, I'll read that too. Um I said you can say whatever you want about me, and you did. Andrew writes, Dan is long-winded and somewhat annoying, but I can't stop listening to him. <laughs> you you're not alone, man. <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. Thank you for that review, Andrew. I appreciate you dropping the five stars as well. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been continuously rating and reviewing the podcast. We're up to 432 reviews right now. It's really amazing. I can't believe what you guys have helped me create here. I can't believe how high we've gotten. And let's just keep pushing on that front. Whatever more we can get, I'll be extremely grateful. So a uh, hilarious review, Andrew. I'll read somebody else's on the next podcast. Thank you to everybody that keeps doing that. And briefly here, the Tuesday preview is one game. Clippers-Mavs were watching Ivica Zubats. Paul George apparently flew in to meet the team, so he might play in this ball game, which would put a dent into any of the peripheral guys for the Clippers. But again, the, the Montrez-Ivica minutes thing is really, to me, the, the big picture item on this Clippers deal. I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this right now. There's a distinct possibility that Zubats actually holds on to a reasonable role going forward, but I it's not clear yet. And I have this podcast, and I talked about him a bunch last week, and so, of course, he's owned in every league that I'm in, so it doesn't matter what I say on my end. Just keep a close watch on him. I bet he's, he's relatively unowned in most of your fantasy leagues. And then on the Dallas side, you know, we're, we're getting the sort of back-and-forth deal with Tim Hardaway Jr., but for the most part now especially if Kristaps Porzingis is now back, then you're officially looking at Dwight Powell, Luka Doncic, and Kristaps Porzingis, and that's it. That's your massive Tuesday preview. Reminder once again, everybody, to check out today in sports betting. Please, please, please open up that MyBookie account, mybookie.ag. The promo code is TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. Massive, massive deal to us here at HoopBall to get as many of those accounts open as possible. If you let us know that you're opening those accounts, we can put you in a running for some hoop ball swag. 
throw that bad boy out in the mix. How about that? Impromptu promo here that I think was in the bruise letter this week. I'm going to save that promo for another day. So again, you got your list of things to do for your good friend Dan. Check out mybookie.ag. Open up that account with promo code today. Listen to Today in Sports Betting, our brand new podcast on gambling. Follow at HoopBallGaming for similar thoughts and breakdowns on every game from a sports betting perspective. Drop the five-star review and follow me on Twitter, searching for Dan from HoopBall or typing in my name at Dan Bespris. That is your Tuesday show. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to Brandon Marcus. A little buy low, sell high action this week. I think someone uh, mentioned on Twitter they want us to start talking about playoff schedules a little bit. We're not quite there yet for me because I do so much streaming that it kind of doesn't matter. I'd rather have my team build as opposed to worrying about, unless I can trade a guy that's like, well, one for one where the stat set doesn't change very much. I'd rather create my roster with a top-heavy lineup and then stream two or three spots and, and utilize them effectively to fill in some of those gaps as opposed to diving too deep on playoff scheduling. I think you end up sort of outthinking yourself a little bit. Uh, but again, Brandon Marcus tomorrow on the show, by low, sell high. We're going to talk to Alan Soroki for our Thursday show. That'll be the accidental mailbag. I like that name. Where Alan goes through Twitter and the Hoopball forums and looks for things that are a buzz. They are a Twitter in the basketball landscape. And then we talk about it. Because that's basically a, hey, what's everybody else talking about? Why don't we give our thoughts on that? The accidental mailbag with Alan Soroki on Thursday. Friday, we'll, of course, do our weekend preview edition, and that is what's coming up the rest of the week here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Baspers. Thank you always for listening. This was Mega MLK Recap Day. Enjoy your Tuesday evening. Enjoy the basically a break you're getting from basketball tonight, and we'll talk to you first thing Wednesday morning. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.